Hello and welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba and I are excited uh, about our interview today. Uh, Bubba, we, we're going to jump right in uh, with Ryan Bomberger. Uh, he's the co-founder and chief creative officer of the Radiance Foundation. We'll, we'll dive in uh, to, to what that is. Uh, but it's our first time to get to talk to Ryan, even though you and I are honored to be part of a 42-day devotional called United for Victory, where uh, Ryan and, uh, and, and Bubba and, and me were in this, uh, along with uh, uh, 38 other guys, uh, inside 39 other guys in this uh, book, 42 Men, 42 Days. Uh, if you look for it, you can get this by going to warriorunited.com slash Bubba. Uh, we're, we're doing some autographed copies of that in, in a pre-order. And um, so also, and it's a thin book, so even people like me can read. Yeah, it's not. It's just. It's, it's, There's no pictures, but it's fairly thin. Yeah, one so. devotion per day that you can get through, and and uh, and you can hear from these 42 men of all walks of life, uh, all on different topics. And so he also authored the book Not Equal: Civil Rights Gone Wrong, and he now joins us now, Ryan Bomberger, your first debut with the Rick and Bubba Show on Rick and Bubba University the podcast. Welcome. Man, I feel so glad to be here. Thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking time. You know, we've been, uh, I was actually introduced to you through Lance Ingram, who, uh, you know, assembled and directed and edited this. And, and I don't know if Lance told you this, but he, uh, or how much interaction you actually had with him. But he was a former intern uh, on the Rick and Bubba show, you know, which is a radio show that runs Monday through Friday. And, uh, and he actually also does an impression of Lou Holtz. Uh, that Have I, you heard that, by the way? I've not heard his impression, but it doesn't surprise me because he is a multi-talented guy. He so. is, and I just wish that Lance had some energy, don't you? Yeah, I, just a little bit. Uh, he's too subdued. <laughs> right. Well, he has young kids, so some of that will fade. Yeah, right. That's yeah. true. Yeah, they're going to use up some of that. So, Ryan, let's talk about um, you know you're you're somewhat of a controversial figure, which is sad uh, that that our society considers your views to be controversial. Uh, uh, because uh, of the color of your skin, uh, which I right. thought was the whole thing that Dr. King and, and the movement was trying to to move us away from. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was that he dreamed that there would be a day that his children would live in a society that judged each right. other by character and not by the color of skin. Uh, th- that that was the dream, right? Yeah, apparently the dream's over. Uh, and, <laughs> Thank and you, you, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and you and you've made it clear that you are not a supporter of Black Lives Matter, not the sentiment, but the organization, because you think that they have hijacked the civil rights movement, along with other people. So unpack that a little bit for us. Well, exactly. I mean, here you have Martin Luther King Jr. who told us, you know, character, the content of character is more important than color, but yet Black Lives Matter insists that it's only your color that matters. In fact, character doesn't matter at all. It's just your color. There's so many issues with the Black Lives Matter movement. Of course, the sentiment Yes, Black Lives Matter. Why do they matter? Because we're all created in the image of God, you know, black, white, and every hue in between. But the movement itself, deeply Marxist, deeply anti-fatherhood, deeply pro-abortion, <laughs> uh, anti-capitalism. But I guess they didn't turn down the $90 million <laughs> that came in last year right. in donations they from capitalist that, sources. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fraud. It's a complete fraud. Unlike the civil rights movement that was fighting for human dignity, the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm not sure exactly what they're fighting for. Well, except for liberalism right. and to you know defund the police because that's working working out really well in Minnesota. Yeah, we, we've seen the stats on that <laughs> in, a, in a lot of major cities. Ryan, I guess my question is, I, I'm puzzled a little bit. 
Uh, our background, Rick and I both grew up in small towns, and uh, it was predominantly white, but we both played sports, so that was a little more maybe 50-50, 60-40. You know, we we were raised just not to uh, discriminate based on skin color. Uh, that was the dream we were just talking about. So all of this is is new. It's it's strange to us. Why do you think people are not rejecting it more across the board? Well, it's amazing what happens. You know, I have four young children, and the whole point of raising children, or part of the part of the effort in raising children, is you repeat things over and over, like you know, thousands of times right. the same thing. Right. Yeah. Well, what's happening now is we have the same lie being repeated over and over by mainstream media, by academia, by Hollywood, that are constantly talking about how there's systemic racism and not distinguishing that from specific acts of racism. And I, I want to say racism is evil, yes. but exploiting it is too. And so here, for instance, Gallup over the 70s, 80s, and 90s polled Americans, and, and Americans said. Two to four percent, two to four percent of Americans said that racism was the biggest issue. Then Obama gets in office and it spikes to 18 percent. I wonder why. Goes back down and then spikes again during the Trump administration to 19 percent. There's a reason for that, because we're being fed this colorized narrative by fake news all the time that's pretending that America is the most racist country on Earth and that we haven't changed since the civil rights movement or since 1619. Ron, Slavery was wrong, shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened in numerous countries around the world throughout man's history. And it hasn't always been a black-white issue. It has been all races enslaving other races uh, due to victory in military or, or, or land grabs or, or whatever the case may be. But it's just uh, it, it's strange that, like you said, that, that the way this has come back now um, and it, it appears to be driven from, and you mentioned it, more of a Marxist base than anything. Well, and the interesting thing about that, and that's true, the crazy thing about that is that Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, who, who gave us you know, the Communist Manifesto, of course, critical theory and all the things that have come from that, including, including uh, critical race theory, those two individuals were so insanely racist <laughs> So when you have Patrice Cullors, one of the the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, talking about how she's a trained Marxist, I'm wondering how trained she was in Marxism to not know that the founders themselves were so just so incredibly racist. So this is the the problem that we're dealing with. We have people who who want to embrace a hashtag and not know. It's kind of like a bumper sticker mantra. It's like you peel that off and there's nothing else underneath. Yeah. And part of what we do through the Ratings Foundation is we bring context to these issues. We talk about issues of race. We talk about how we're one human race. I mean, one human race. There's no biological basis in the differentiation of races. I mean, this is coming from National Geographic. There's no, there's no scientific basis for it. It is a destructive human construct. And what Black Lives Matter does, what critical race theory does, what so many on the left do is constantly separate us into these categories. And I see how destructive it is. I'm half white, I'm half black. And so when I'm told constantly that I'm oppressed and that I can't rise above and that I can't do this or that, I'm wondering who they're talking to because I'm not a victim. Do, do you feel? But, yeah. Do you feel in in this unique situation of 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 being both races? Do you do you feel sometimes? I mean, it's obvious that we've been told that if you have a white parent and a black parent, then you are black and you're not allowed to access your whiteness or speak of it ever. 
Do, do you do you find that to be offensive since that's one of your parents? Well, I find it offensive anybody t- somebody tries to define who I am. Correct. I mean, it's like you know, a friend of mine who or one of our board members who's Italian. And she's Puerto Rican. What, is she supposed to give up one side of that? Of course not. Right. The totality of who we are should be embraced. And there's there's beauty in that. One of my favorite childhood heroes is Frederick Douglass, yeah. who was biracial. Um, and I'm putting that in quotes because we're one human race. But right. to me, that that's a beautiful representation of the the diversity that God has has given us. But no, I will never deny one side of me. I mean, I, I am these things. I mean, I'm also the culmination of all the experiences I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm certainly more than the color of my skin, but I'm not going to not deny part of who I am. Ryan too, if you, if you follow out the socialist ideas that are being pushed through a lot of these organizations and the leftist ideas, and you go all the way to communism and you look at the communist countries who have uh, r- risen to prominence, Russia, China, Cuba, some other things, some other countries around the globe, if you are a minority, do do a lot of those folks not realize that minorities don't do well in that culture? <laughs> Matter of fact, they are well, they are no minorities in those cultures. Well, well, people in general don't do well in those cultures. Right, I mean, you're talking right. about the, the most oppressive regimes in the world. I mean, the majority culture the, in the majority of Chinese people. I mean, the Chinese people don't get to flourish under that system, except for the ones who were in power. That's how it always works. Right. But you're right. It is, I mean, they, they try to cast this, oh, everybody's equal and we all possess the same power. No, it's a fraud. You look at all these communist countries, all these socialist countries, um, and you see the, the socioeconomic, I mean, people say there are disparities here in the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't even compare right. to what happens in Russia, to what happens in China. And, and it's 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 such a sham that people don't see that, yes, minorities, minorities in China are the worst oppressed. They're the ones who are having their organs harvested for the love. <laughs> right. Well, and, and one of the things that we, we've talked about is, you know, and we've talked about it on the show, you mentioned the organization Black Lives Matter, not not the sentiment. We've all agreed that, of course, Black Lives Matter. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, of course, sometimes maybe human life has been devalued to the point that we don't think that human beings matter as much as God says they do. Because you've also committed right. the ultimate foul. Not only are you refusing to be put in a category based on what they deem you to be, which they would deem you to be black and black only, because you know. Right. And but but then the very same people also. The worst thing you can do is also see the world through a Christian worldview and Ooh. realize that true equality is at the foot of the cross. Wow. Everybody's in equal need of redemption, and there. And Paul says in the church. We're done with all this ethnicity identification, and we're one we're one race of people. Uh, so you've committed really some really big fouls here. But but one <laughs> but, but one of the things I want to talk about though, really popular <laughs> when when we see the ninety right. when we see the ninety million dollars, okay, that uh, we we and we see the some of the founders of Black Lives Matters with the the multiple houses. I actually and I wish I knew who to credit it to. I don't know if it was Prager or I can't remember who said it, but somebody said, well, this shouldn't surprise you because if you believe in a tyrannical central government and you really do believe in socialism, these people are really being consistent, not inconsistent, because the, because the ruling class, they do live this way. It's, <laughs> exactly. every, it's everybody else that doesn't get to. So they're at, when we say, well, that's inconsistent, no, it's actually consistent because that's what people don't know. The ruling class, you're right for them. It's a great gig. It's, it's right. everybody else that's going to pay the price. 
Right. And, and, but it, it further illuminates the fraud that is Black Lives Matter because Patrice Cullors buy, bought her, what is it, four homes? Is it five homes? Yeah. Of the five homes now? I know it was at least four. But where did she buy those homes? In predominantly white neighborhoods. So she must have felt safe in those neighborhoods with all those evil white racist people. This is, to me, it's, it's a great example of, of the, the failure of leftists, of progressives, who say one thing, but of course act completely opposite of what they're saying. And so she's actually affirming the fact that there are lots of good people, regardless of the color of their skin. And then there are also bad people, regardless of the color of their skin. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a character me, issue. Yeah, it? It, yeah. Yeah, now, yeah. We're, now we're back to that dream again. Uh, <laughs> oh. uh, we'll come back. We're going to continue our conversation uh, with Ryan Bomberger uh, from the Radiance Foundation. Uh, when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. All right, we're talking to Ryan Bomberger, and uh, we're having a great conversation. He also authored Not Equal, Civil Rights Gone Wrong. And I want to ask about the NAACP. Uh, you have uh. the uh, dubious honor of being sued. <laughs> now, keep in mind, we, we believe in a human race. We, we know that you have a white parent and a black parent, but according to the movement, you're black, okay, and black and black only. But right. this same organization that says they're looking out for your blackness has sued you because, <laughs> you, because you won't be in line and, 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 and say things and do things the way they want it done. I, I may be oversimplifying this, but you got in trouble for actually saying you see some problems with the modern-day version of the NAACP. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a group that I grew up revering as a child. Yeah. And, but, you know, my parents gave me all kinds of things to read about the NAACP. So the thought that I, brown guy here, would be sued by the NAACP never entered my mind. Right. But I actually wrote an article about the NAACP after we did a billboard campaign that highlighted the hugely disproportionate impact of abortion in the black community. And so we placed this in the really conservative San Francisco Bay Area. You're probably familiar with that. <laughs> that, went so over, that went over big, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, it went over big. Yeah, little, you know, ACLU got all crazy and they denounced us, which felt great. Planned Parenthood denounced us. Liberal politicians denounced us. But then the NAACP called our billboard campaign that said black and beautiful, too many aborted.com. Of course, our contention one is too many. But anyway, they called it horribly racist. And that gave the false impression that Planned Parenthood kills black babies. So I wrote an article and I used their own documentation and I was calling them out on the radical pro-abortion position. So I called them the National Association for the Abortion of Colored People. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they didn't like it. Yeah. So they sued me. They sued the Radiance Foundation. Two years in federal court. Can I just tell you, the craziness of, of this, part of what they sued me for was for trademark confusion, saying that we were confusing the public about what NAACP stood for. So while I'm sitting in the witness stand, the judge, who's a lifetime member of the NAACP, by the way, kept calling them the NCAA. So I'm like, wait a minute, what? Why am I here in this seat? This now, wait a minute. How, how can a judge who is a member of one of the, of the plaintiffs or, or in this case be on that case? Yeah, how'd you even get a judge? I like the, the Bubba's point, isn't that, uh, isn't, shouldn't he Isn't that when they recuse himself? I know you would think that they'd be like, um, he's out, but no, it wasn't that. A, oh, this is it. His, his wife's sister, his sister-in-law was a former president of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund too. So he presided over the case. But anyway, we lost yeah. that, first, uh, that first court level in Norfolk, Virginia, or Norfolk, if you're from that area. And then we had to go to the, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals where we, prevailed thanks to alliance defending freedom i gotta to give some love to yeah. adf 
They represented us and defended our civil rights, free speech against a civil rights organization, civil rights going wrong. That's for sure. So, Ryan, when they won that case, what what were they going to get? What were the damages awarded or how are they how how did this play out? Because I'm not familiar with the fine points of that case. Right. They were suing us. I, I believe it was for seven hundred some thousand dollars. I don't have the exact figure. I can tell you that we had about. $7.84 to our names. So right, I thought it was right. funny that they were suing. They thought at the time the Radiance Foundation was a million dollar organization. Of course, things have changed since then, but they, and they thought, you know, they had this arrogance. They figured they're the NAACP. They're going to go in mm-hmm. and they're going to win because everybody just bows to the NAACP. Well, they, they, they lost. And I'm sure they didn't expect that. We thought they were going to appeal it to the Supreme Court, which, quite honestly, I really wanted that to happen. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I wanted. <laughs> but I, I'm just glad that free speech prevailed and that they couldn't bully us anymore, telling us we couldn't parody their name. We couldn't even use their name. The judge ruled, the first judge ruled that we couldn't even say NAACP or write NAACP on any of our articles or anywhere on our website, which was crazy and an infringement on yeah, the First that, Amendment. Yeah, that is strange, even even under satire. Yeah, you know, I David think, Letterman fought a lot of those yeah, court battles for right. us. So, Ryan, right. here's, here's the thing that, you know, what you're trying to do, I applaud, and, and we're trying to do the same thing uh, with the platforms, but the thing I think that's that's getting frustrating for us, and, and maybe you can help us a little bit by, you know, being our, uh, our life coach today, is the thing that's getting difficult, like when you say, that abortion in this country, which is aligned with, you know, the um, Planned Parenthood. Well, it's not up for debate that Planned Parenthood was created by a racist. That's not even up for debate. Margaret deba- Sanger. Yeah, that's yep. not, that's not right. even up for debate. I mean, we have discovered her own point of view. We see what she was doing. You know, it's right. almost like there was a time when I thought, well, once that I reveal that what I, the narrative is confirmed, then everybody agrees with my narrative. But you you confirm it, and they still don't care. I mean, you you you, ha- you have to pressure somebody to take Margaret Sanger and say, you probably don't need to be celebrating this woman if you right. really care about racism, and uh, and that this was designed to remove from her the society people she didn't like, and and exactly it, it, only because of their ethnicity, and uh, and so. How do you feel sometimes when, you know, for instance, they make it very convenient. If you have the worldview that you have, then you're not allowed to even speak to young black people because they don't want to see different points of view of people of their own color. They want to only hear one point of view or you're not a hero of the black community, et cetera. You know, I don't don't have to tell you this. You've been saying these things yourself. But are we we doing any good? I guess that's what I'm asking. Are, Are we changing any minds because we the different points of view must be heard that's what this country was all about and i wouldn't right. i would not take away the opportunity for opposing points of view to be heard because i you know you want you want to decide which one of these you think is is actually the truth but when we're living in a society that says no if you're if you're you know like you've been talking about if you're black and again you can say it see we're white so we're already out we can't talk about it <laughs> You know what I mean, but but you know that's that's been made clear. We're systemic. Yeah, yeah, even though something may, yeah, even though something may not have a color to it, it's just truth. Right. You know, white people can't say it because you don't know, but you're saying it, and you're not the only one. There's hundreds of of what I think are heroes of the black community 
that did overcome racism, that did overcome the obstacles uh, that were set before them in a country that does have things in its past that it should be ashamed of, as every society, as Bubba pointed out, has when people have been mistreated. They've overcome these things. They've used the liberty of the country that they ended up in in a way that they may not have chosen or their ancestors didn't choose, but they've made the best of the freedoms they've been afforded, and they're saying this country isn't against you anymore. Those people can't be heroes of the black community, even if they've been successful. We dealt with that here in Birmingham. They were going to do a, you know, they want us to be part of the heroes that have been through, you know, the the civil rights movement here. You know, we we're actually grew up in the heart of it. I know Obama was really downtrodden over in Hawaii, but, you yeah. know, somebody somebody like Condoleezza Rice actually is from Birmingham. You know what I mean? Right. Condoleezza Rice actually was in Birmingham, but she's not allowed to be a hero. And we, and we said, look, we'll be part of this or of this celebration if Condoleezza Rice will be included. It can't just be, it can't just be Democrats. It can't just be people who have a certain political view. You must include all black people that would be considered to be heroes that overcame obstacles to, to be wildly successful in a country that at one time deemed them inferior. So, right. so you got to include everybody, but that doesn't happen. Only certain people are included. It's the intra-racism that is allowable. It's the leftist sort of racism that it's celebrated. And I can't tell you how many times people have called me an Uncle Tom, for instance. Right. Which, you know, it, it, people think it's a put down. It's not a pejorative. If you actually read Uncle Tom's Cabin, you're calling me the person who actually gave up his life so that others could be set free. Mm-hmm. That's a put down. Right. Come on. So there's so many that don't want to hear the perspective of conservative black individuals like a Dean Nelson or a Star Parker or Dr. Alveda King. Because we don't, I don't know, we're not shackled by their ideological slavery. Right. See, I'll, I'll never be that way. Because tr- that's why I love the masthead of Frederick Douglass paper, Frederick Douglass, you know, famed abolitionist, mm-hmm. who um, has a similar backstory as far as how he was conceived uh, to mine. I guess we'll probably yeah. That was that. Next, after we come, I want to talk about that because there's a reason what? that you are so outspoken, other than your conviction spiritually about uh, where life begins. And, 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 right, 100%. And, yeah, so we'll talk about that fascinating story. Right. But Frederick Douglass, on his, on his paper, The North Star, it said, you know, he had this little tagline that said, you know, right is of no sex, truth is of no color. We are all brethren. God is the father of us all. Truth is of no color. And so many of those things stand out to me. But you should not be, you should not be silenced because you're a particular hue. Truth is of no color. It doesn't matter. And I know in our culture today, because you're white, you're not able to say certain things. And somehow I'm allowed to say these things, which, you know, I'll say them. (laughs) I'll say the things that other people have been told, you can't say this. But I I thank God that people of your complexion spoke the truth when when slavery was an institution in this country, because I would still, I would be on an auction block in a town near you. I mean, if people didn't speak up, if white people didn't speak against the evil of slavery, we, it wouldn't have been abolished. So that's why I resist this whole nonsense that somehow you have to be a particular hue to speak the truth. We'll come back. Uh, we will get into the incredible testimony of Ron Bomberger, and it, it will be one of these topics that uh, at times people say, well, in this situation, well, not so fast. Uh, you, you, you're going to want to stick around for this story when we come back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. All right, so let's talk about Patriot Mobile. Uh, Patriot Mobile, Bubba, I mean, when you're thinking about the choices out there, you and I talk about this all the time. We have fun when we talk about the different commu- uh, computer companies. People say, well, you don't want to support these organizations that 
that uh, advance this stuff that you guys are saying against, you go, well, where do I turn? Yeah, what do I do? So where, where, is where are my the, options? But when it comes to your mobile service, there is a choice, uh, Patriot Mobile. It's America's only Christian conservative wireless company and donates a portion of every dollar to organizations that fight for causes that you may care about as opposed to feeling like you're giving your money to organizations that seem to go against everything uh, that you care about. Uh, right now, they have two great offers to choose from. Either get 50% off your first two months or $100 off any phone. That's your choice. Uh, both come with free Premier activation. Here's all you have to do. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Bubba for details. Now, I know what you're thinking. Do they? Because uh, in Bubba, you and I believe things are to make their, uh, you know, they're, they, we need to judge these things on merit. All right. Okay, you can't, guilt me, you can't guilt me into going to a product that's inferior. Well, here's the good news. Patriot Mobile has the broadest nationwide coverage and uses the same towers as these major providers that maybe you wish weren't taking your money. Uh, and you get great service for less money. So do it now. Go to patriotmobile.com slash rickbubba or call their top-rated U.S.-based team, 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Uh, veterans and first responders, you're going to save even more money. So switch to Patriot Mobile, a company you can trust to support maybe the same values and worldview that you have. PatriotMobile.com slash Rick Bubba or 972-PATRIOT. We're back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, and we're talking to Ryan Baumberger. He wrote the book, author, uh, not equal, he authored the book, Civil Rights Gone Wrong. We talked about some of that. But uh, also, um, you know, the, the Radiance Foundation, uh, you guys have uh, a number of things that you're passionate about, but uh, uh, the One Human Race campaign, obvious, but also – uh, you guys are very outspoken about something in our country that we must all – Bubba and I have talked about this on the show. You've talked about it. We have to talk about where life begins and and the value of, of human life, and, and it has been devalued. We certainly – our hearts break for people that get in bad situations. Uh, we talked about even on the, the live show this week, we've always thought if you make a decision, always be cautious of people that don't want you to make an informed decision like an organization that says, oh, they make us show you a sonogram, well, then we won't do a clinic in that city or that state because we don't want you to see what technology will show you now, which I think is that's got to be a red flag if someone won't even let you make a, an informed choice if you really do believe in choice. But it's been said many times, every time this starts, uh, the, those uh, who oppose anyone who uh, doesn't think that we should have abortion on demand or abortion to be used as birth control, they'll say, well, what if a woman was raped? And how, and you know, that, that, that almost like if you were conceived in rape, then your human life is not as valuable. And I'm not saying it's not a tough decision, nor am I making light of that at all. But, but tell your story. I think it's important for people to hear it. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in a small family. I also grew up in a small town in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So I grew up with a small family, 15. I have six brothers, six <laughs> sisters. Ten of us were adopted. And we all came from backgrounds where people would look at that, particularly those who are pro-abortion, say, well, that child shouldn't have had to live in poverty. That child shouldn't have had to live with those disabilities or that child was un unplanned. Therefore, that child's going to be unwanted, unloved. And it was all a lie. My parents loved the mess out of their three homemade ones or whatever you want to call them. And the 10 that were you know, imported. I don't know what you want to call it, but adopted <laughs> and loved. Right. My story is the story that you're talking about. Yeah. I am that 1% that's used 100% of the time. Yep to justify abortion. And yet my birth mom, who experienced the horror and the violence of rape, not only gave me the, 
the incredible gift of life, but she gave me the gift of adoption. Mm. And what people, what we try to communicate through the Radiance Foundation is that the circumstances of our conception never change the condition of our worth. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our status of wantedness doesn't change our value. You know, every every person is a human, every human is a person. I know our, our the history of our country has been one that has wrestled with that, but that's the truth. And we're all creating the image of God. We may not have been humanly planned, but there is a d- divine plan in every life. And that's why, you know, as an adoptee and now an adoptive father, I have four kiddos. Two of my kiddos are also adopted. I love defending the most vulnerable, the most marginalized, and the most defenseless yeah, but because of my story. That's amazing. Yeah, well, think about this, and you said it, uh, Ryan. I mean, uh, it couldn't be put any straighter. This, I think people, if a woman has conceived a child under harsh conditions like your birth mother, it's almost like we act like there are no choices. Well, I mean, what do you expect her to do, Rick? Well, here's here's one. What about adoption? I, I'm not saying she has to be stuck with raising a child that maybe she can't or uh, isn't in a position to do so. We're not really talking about that. We're talking about can, and this is really what we have talked about when it comes to abortion. Do we have the right to deny a human being life or not? Do we have that right? And uh, because if you know, if science, of course, you know, because we can't say. Th- the biblical clarity of where life begins. Yeah. Cause then, then we're, you know, before long, you know, I don't know if you saw the story there, they're burning churches down in Canada and, and America thinks we're that n- mm-hmm. none of that's in, not important to watch, mm-hmm. but anyway, and you know, that we see all that, but, but science even tells us where life begins. I mean, right. You know, it, it's kind of like what uh, we saw that time that a liberal professor was talking to a group of students in Oregon. And she says, look, this is not a political statement. You saw that. Uh, you know, biologically, there is a male and a female. That that that's biological. That that is science. And they got up and walked out. So even when they say we don't want to hear about your Bible, we want to hear about science. You go, well, science also supports what we say. Then they go, well, I don't want to hear that either. So bottom line <laughs> is, you just want to do what you want to do. But but what I'm saying is this: there are people who want to raise children that either like you and and uh, and and your parents' family that maybe can have children but just want to adopt. Then, of course, if, what about the obvious people that biologically can't conceive that would also like to raise children? Yeah, and, right. uh, and, and so there is another option. And I think what they try to present the movement is, well, if a woman's stuck with a child that she didn't mean to have, she's stuck with it and there's nothing she can do, so you might as well take the life of it and let her move on. That child's just going to have, like you said, going to be in poverty, nobody wants it, da-da-da-da-da. Right. No, those aren't actually the stories of adoption. The stories of adoption right. are actually children that grow yep. up at, a lot of times in very wonderful situations that are greatly loved, like like yeah. you and, and many other people. So so <laughs> so, But you're, you're that 1%. They say, you know, if you conceive through being attacked, uh, then, you know, that, that child just – I mean, we all understand that child must go, but but we wouldn't right. be told, we wouldn't be interviewing you right now, right? Exactly, and and the reverberations from that single life. Anytime you pull one life out of the the picture, it changes the the frames of our lives, and that's why, you know, I, I mentioned Frederick Douglass before. Imagine history, American history, without a Frederick Douglass. He was also conceived in rape, and so I'm just. My prayer is that my life serves as a testimony or at least a tangible example to those that there's another side of the story, another side to the horror. In fact, a lot of the women that we meet, in fact, some of our colleagues and our friends are rape survivors who have chosen to parent 
who have chosen to be stronger than their circumstances. And it happens. But yet the abortion industry that on one hand is always talking about how strong women are, but apparently they're not strong enough to face the unplanned, whatever the circumstances may be. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many women who defy that. Even those who are post-abortive, those who are post-abortive, those who chose to parent, those uh, birth moms who chose to place the child for adoption, they have the same sentiment in regards to the, the horror and the violence of rape. And that is the child is the only redemptive part of such a horrific act. And this is, I, I found that surprising just in my, my interactions with these women, with these courageous women, that they all felt the same, even some of the post-abortive ones. And so our, our nation doesn't have an honest conversation when it comes to these, what I call the heart cases, but in, in the end, still valuable human life that is created by God. And it's amazing what happens when love enters that picture. My parents love the mess out of all of us. And because of that, they unleashed purpose in our lives. And I just thank God for the ability to live out that, that purpose that he meant for me. Well, some, see, because we, it's become a political conversation, not a moral conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and once that happened, uh, you know, and, and just, it's like we, we've lost, we've become numb to what we're really talking about. And what yeah. we're talking about is extremely serious. And now it's just become a political statement. And, uh, right. and I see the book there in the, what we're looking at, Pro-Life Kids, Talk about that a little bit, because I think one of, the, one of the things that's important is this is a topic that can be taboo and difficult to talk about. And, and this is a kid friendly uh, yeah. material. We're, we're not going to take kids and, you know, and take them into a world where they shouldn't be yet. But a lot of these things might be resolved if children were raised with the proper education on what this conversation is really about and where life begins. So tell us a little bit about that. Hundred percent. We have to teach our kids before a broken world reaches them. Yeah, boy. And this book, by the way, Pro Life Kids, which you can get at ProLifeKids.com, is written by my favorite author, my wife, Bethany Bomberger, who was a teacher <laughs> for thirteen years and is now a homeschool teacher. And she longs for the days of the riot lockdowns in her um, her last school in Philly. This homeschooling <laughs> is no joke. I'm just saying, homeschool homeschooling is tough. But I'm telling you, we instill in our children what we want to see as far as the fruit that comes from them. And I'm so glad that we are their main influencers as homeschoolers. But I just want to read just one page from this book, because this to me sums up this whole book. It doesn't matter your size or your age. You have equal value, whatever the stage. So from the moment of fertilization, the moment of conception, to the moment you're in that grave, your life has equal and irrevocable value, not because of any man, not because of any woman or governmental institution, because you know how how that goes yep. when they assign you worth, but because of the creator. And so this book is an age appropriate way to teach young children about what it means to be pro-life and the value of every human life and how we can play a role. There's, there's a page in the back that says 10 ways that you can be pro-life in your local community. And that applies to adults too, because sometimes adults don't know what to do. Like, what can we do? You've got pregnancy centers, 3,500 plus pregnancy centers across the country. You can volunteer. They're the ones who walk women who face unplanned pregnancies through that whole journey. But my wife, Bethany, really wanted to get into the hands of adults. Some, this is appropriate for kids from like age two to eighth grade. And we're just, we're excited about it being a, a tool for adults to teach young kids what it means to be pro-life and that their life has God-given purpose. ProLifeKids.com if you want to get a copy of that, ProLifeKids.com. We'll come back. We'll finish our conversation with Ryan Bomberger when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. All right, we're talking with Ryan Bomberger, and, uh, boy, we've covered a lot. If you want to know more about the the Radiance Foundation, which he is the co-founder, 
and the chief uh, creative officer. You can get all that information uh, by going to their uh, website, which we uh, is called Radiance.life. That's Radiance.life. Uh, he's also authored the book Not Equal, Civil Rights Gone Wrong, which you can pick up wherever books are sold. They're on Amazon or whatever the case may be. So when, when we talk a little bit about some of the things that you're not afraid to talk about, and, and, uh, and, and I applaud that, even though we're, we seem to be losing the right to say what uh, we want to say in our country, have you been able to communicate with any degree um, of maybe acceptance? Do, do minorities, not, minorities not see that what we're doing now is generation, generating just a new form of racism? I mean, I'm out there, I see a minority group like Black Lives Matter, which you've been very critical of, the, the movement, not the sentiment. And I say to myself as a company or as a human being, hey, look, if I say Black, Black Lives Matter, we all just leave me alone? I mean, can I get you all to run along? And, and leave? look, look, I've got – look, I've put, I've put an, a symbol on our website. I put up in our store – uh, that Black Lives Matter. I've got a bumper sticker on my car. I posted on my social media. Now, will you people please just go away and leave me alone? Did, have they? Have, has anybody thought about how degrading that sentiment is? Uh, I, I, and I know you've been talking about this. It's uh, uh, it. it what, what's happening out that that I fear is that the racism that still exists in this country in human beings, which it does. I'm, no one's saying right. it doesn't. But now the true racist of our country are not taken serious and we don't see them as a threat because we think this is real racism, this stuff that really isn't racism. So when the real yeah, thing shows up, we, we it, it, you, Bubba and I call it, you know, the famous child children's story, the boy who cried wolf. We're, we're right. like, we're like, Oh, you mean racist? Like that other thing I heard that, that, but you go, no, no, that's not what we're talking about. I think it's hurting. We're going backward because we, we had made so much progress but that racism that still is ingrained and exists in this country isn't being addressed because we're chasing after things that aren't racism at all. Right. Well, everything is racism. That's that's the problem. I mean, when when you so widely define a word, when it means everything, then it means nothing. And that's where we're at. Where everything, I mean, we're told, first of all, by critical race theory, uh, apologists, and all these anti supposed anti-racist activists, that racism is in everything. And it's everywhere. And they want to make sure that you monitor everything that you do, every movement, every word, which who wants to obsess over all that stuff? But everything is racist, which interestingly, everything is racist except for the abortion industry. The one industry that kills for a living, there's no racism there. Right, there's no racism, right. But there's racism everywhere else. And you're right. It's the, the real racists that actually don't get addressed. And then everybody else, you're told if you're white, you are automatically racist. There's nothing you can do. And if you're black, you can't possibly be racist. Yeah. They, they, they call it an academic theory, critical race theory, for instance. They call it, it's academic. And I don't care how academic it is because academics, and the, uh, the academic elites are wrong all the time. They were certainly wrong, for instance, during the early part of the 20th century with eugenics and demeaning people of my complexion that we weren't you know, fully human, we were subhuman. Um, and, and it really emanates from them. And sadly, it's emanating from churches too, mm-hmm. who... For their part, they're trying to be compassionate, but I'm like, you can't be compassionate without a solid foundation of the word. I mean, it's Christ before color. It's Christ before anything. And so when you're bowing to these broken worldly ideologies, you're never going to cure the brokenness. 
I mean, that, that's the problem. I, I, and I refuse to see life that way. We're the anti-racists, the supposed anti-racists, want you to, to look at everything in life through the broken filter, the broken prism of race, where we should be looking through the breakthrough filter of Christ. Amen. Right. And as long as we, we aren't doing the looking through the breakthrough filter of Christ, we're going to continue to have the same problems over and over again. It's a cycle that will never be broken because the world cannot break the world. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. And so it's, it, it's heartbreaking to me because you have a lot of kids coming up who, who can't appreciate all the sacrifices during the civil rights era, or even prior to that, of white and black brothers and sisters who fought together to end the evil of, of slavery, the evil of Jim Crow. And, and they don't appreciate that. And now they're being told, oh, if you're white, you're automatically the oppressor. If you're a Christian, you're the oppressor. If you're black, you're automatically the oppressed and you're perpetually oppressed. What are we feeding into the, the minds of our young children? This is happening right now in our public schools. The National Education Association just declared mm-hmm. it must be taught. Critical yep. theory, critical race theory must be taught. I mean, there is an attack. The sad thing is it's actually not attacking actual racism like you're talking about. It's attacking people and blaming racism it, for everything it's just that's dividing, not anyone yeah it's dividing people further um yes. and, and you know we just had like this week the black lives matter chapter of utah declared the american flag racist now yeah. this was the same flag that yeah. fought <laughs> to end slavery i, I don't right. I, you know I know there's gonna be people on the left that always think different than i do i got that i'm not i'm not naive but how do you how do you how do you draw that? How do you get to that point that every single thing in this country has to be racist and has to be destroyed? We're to the flag now? Well, it, of course. And th- that's the whole point of, of progressivism and liberalism, because it has to demonize something. And the way that you do that is you demonize the country. You don't acknowledge any of the justice that has arisen. You don't acknowledge any of the incredible progress. It's, there's potency in pushing victimhood. I mean, that's really powerful stuff. And the American flag, I'm sorry, if it was such an oppressive symbol, why did civil rights champions like Martin Luther King Jr. march with the American flag in every single civil rights march? Right. I mean, why did Frederick Douglass uphold the Constitution when he realized it was the most freeing document in the world? Why does poll after poll show that America is the least racist, the most tolerant country in the world, socioeconomically, religion, race, every factor? But people have to continue to perpetuate this lie because in the end, it's about shifting power. It's not about solving an issue. It's about shifting political power. And that's what they want. Black Lives Matter, for instance, throughout Black Lives Matter and the movement for Black Lives, those are the two umbrella organizations. They talk about creating and elevating Black power. The very thing that Martin Luther King Jr. rejected in the 60s. He said, I don't wanna hear about people talking about Black power. I don't wanna hear about white power. I wanna hear about God's power and human power. We've well, got it all wrong. Well, I mean, yeah. not we, it's just the But it's an easy it's an it easy sale it seems like. It, it's uh it, you know, it's it's it, it really can pull in a lot of people and I think that's why we're seeing the country yeah. in the in the mess that it is in a lot of ways now. Well, we, we've created a fake world. We say this on the show all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm like we're living in a fake world. People everything's so insincere. You know, and I don't know if there's anything more degrading than for you to patronize people, and there's no sincerity in it. I mean, you're doing it because you don't want a mob to be mad at you. You're not even being sincere about this. Right. And and we've created a, I'm afraid of a mob. I don't really love you. I'm just afraid of a mob. 
and and that and that and that goes the other way. And like you both said, the thing about the American flag, which you know, I think this one's not going to get anywhere, is we had Dr. King and you said uh, Douglas pointing what. You guys are hypocrites because your Constitution says yeah you're not living out what you yeah, say that 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 you said you believe that all men are created equal and that freedom is God given and you're not living that out. What if that con- what if that flag and that Constitution didn't exist and we just said well who told you that we never said that you, you know <laughs> right. stay where you, stay in your 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 state right now because we never said that you were equal. And and what what they were able to point to these leaders of in the civil rights movement, you said we're supposed to be equal, and we're not right. being treated equal. Well, what if that flag and that constitution never said that? Right. Yeah, and and that that's what's missed in all this. Uh, right. And, Would their activism be based on right. based on based on a whim? If it's not based on a particular document or ideology, then what is it based on? It's because we have those things that we continue to demand where there is injustice. There needs to be justice. Where there is racism, we need to try to obliterate it. No, where no. there is greed, where are there all these things that diminish humanity, we have this documentation. And as Christians, we also have the, the justification for it, a biblical worldview that forces us, or no, I shouldn't say forces us, that tells us that we need to see other human life the way that God sees other human life. That changes everything. Mm-hmm. It does. Thank you so much for being with us, Ryan. Yeah. And, Ryan, thanks for what you're doing, man. You're a warrior out there on the front. You're swimming against the stream, but we appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. uh, you uh, trying. Hopefully get to hang out more in, in the future. Find out more about the Radiance Foundation uh, by going to radiance.life. Also, if you'd like to get a copy of Pro-Life Kids, go to prolifekids.com. Ryan Bomberger, thanks for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. <laughs> 